Good morning. Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and we welcome you all here this morning. We welcome people of all faith backgrounds, ethnic and religion, racial origins, sexual orientations, gender identification, abilities, and other circumstances. That is our ideal. We often fail, but we try not to. We extend a very special welcome to those of you who are visiting this morning. If you care to, there are knowledgeable and friendly people at the visitor table outside the doors who will be happy to answer any questions you might have. Please join me for the lighting of the chalice. In the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. Reading by Denise Levertov. Intricate and untraceable weaving and interweaving, dark strand with light, designed beyond all spiderly contrivance to link, not to entrap. Elation, grief, joy, contrition, entwined, shaking, changing forever, forming, transforming. All praise, all praise to the great web. If anybody ever asks you, what is your church all about? Here's what you say. At First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin, we gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. We're really glad that you kids are here today and um, honored that you're here in the service. I'm going to read you a story from, um, I'm reading the adults' story actually, but I hope it'll be interesting to you because it's kind of about kids. At a church where I used to work, we had a party like you had yesterday. Who went to the party yesterday? Who helped, who helped put it on? Awesome. You all worked hard. Well, this is the same kind of party, but we called it Boo at the UU. <laughs> this story is called Rough Magic. It's from my new book called Broken Buddha. And um, anyway, I bring you greetings from the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Atlanta, Georgia, where I was reading last weekend from this book. And... Um, and I invite you to come to Book People on Tuesday night at 7. I'm going to be reading from it there at the book launch party as um, First UU moves into the community. All right, Rough Magic is the name of the story. I remember Boo at the UU. Cool night, velvet dark. Pushing your way through spider webs to get through the front door of the church. You're greeted by comfortingly scary witches and pirates, wizards, cats, and monsters of all shapes and sizes. The big room is filled with fishing games, a cake walk, and a gigantic spinner where you take your chances on gains or losses, and the basement becomes the tunnel of terror. I have no idea what is down there because just the name gives me the heebie-jeebies. The psychic surgery room, the fortune teller, and spells and potions are down the hall. 
Most years I was the fortune teller because my Aunt Ruth, the Episcopal priest psychiatrist, taught me when I was a teenager to read palms and tarot cards. One year, though, I was put in charge of spells and potions. I gathered my materials, Amazon rainwater, rainbow juice, liquid sunlight, herbal teas in various colors, wizard spit, honey water, dragon's blood, V8 juice, bat droppings, tiny chocolate chips, lizard tongues, broken flat pieces of pink gum, eyes of newt sprinkles, vampire blood, chocolate syrup, alchemist's gold, caramel syrup, and various shades of powdered jello and the pop rocks that would make the potion bubble and fizz. I was dressed up and all my materials were laid out. I had helpers dressed as wizards and we were ready. The doors opened and parents and kids came in asking for potions. What do you want it for? I asked. Usually it took them a long time to think of the answer. I wondered why someone would come in and ask for a potion when they didn't know what they wanted it for. Did they simply crave a passing experience, a sweet drink? This is magic we're talking about. It should be taken seriously. They rose to the occasion. I want to run fast, one said. Done. You need some confidence, some persistence for practice. I was adding visible and invisible ingredients to a liquid sunlight tea as I spoke. After giving it a final stir with a tiny wand, coffee stirrer, I handed it to one of the wizards who muttered over it for a few moments and then delivered it with a flourish to the child. I want to be a fairy princess. I have newt, backdrops, alchemist gold, and fizzy pop rocks and wizard spit. Ew, she said, but drank it up. A dad said, I want courage. Well, what would you do? Dragon's blood with jello and pop rocks. It was awful looking. He drank it down. I think he already had courage. <laughs> People complained about how awful some of the potions tasted. What do you want? I asked with what I hoped was charm. Cheap grace? Pretty magic? Magic is rough. Change is hard. If you want something badly enough, you may have to do something scary. Drink something yucky. Sometimes you get liquid sunlight with sprinkles, but other times it's V8 with blue jello and pop rocks. <laughs> what happened next was that I was never asked to be potion mistress again. <laughs> The next year, all the potions tasted good, and people didn't even have to pony up with what they wanted to have happen in their lives. This makes me think of the people who describe Mother Nature as sweet and nurturing, taking care of all the little creatures with a warm and cinnamon-scented hand, or those people who say they just knew there had to be a god when they saw the dolphins swimming at sunset. I don't know how ignoring the tough side of nature will help a person through the things church is supposed to help with, or how a dolphin swimming at sunset faith will sustain a person through the rough changes that get slung into his or her life like ninja throwing stars. Maybe I went too far with the V8 and Pop Rocks. Usually I'm a very nice minister. 
But I wouldn't be doing my job if I pretended that our faith wasn't demanding, that the right relationship, that right relationship was easy, or that facing change is a pleasant walk on the beach. Growing asks a lot of us. It takes courage, determination, spiritual practice, strong partnership, and the knowledge that life can be difficult even when you're doing exactly the right thing. Various potions have helped along the way. Love mixed with patience, effort, longing, and peace. Liquid sunlight, green jello, lizard tongue, and wizard spit. Bottoms up. This is the time of year when um, Celtic earth-based tradition says the veil between the worlds of the living and the dead is thin. For some people, that feels like good news. They want to talk to their ancestors. For other people, it feels scary. Um, it's not only the pagan earth-based tradition that has this time of year um, has us thinking about that this time of year. The Christian tradition has on November 1st, All Saints Day, November 2nd, All Souls Day, um, the Mexican holiday of the Day of the Dead, I will not offend you with my Spanish accent, um, is celebrated on these days as well. It probably uh, kind of uh, syncretized or borrowed those days from the Catholic Church, but the celebration of ancestors using skulls and dancing and drumming, um, all of that is about 3,000 years old, which is around the time of Abraham. So in Mexico, they were doing this a long time ago. And one of the reasons that we dress up is so that we can um, either be as scary as the things that we're scared of, because sometimes being scary is some people's way of not being scared. Does that make sense? And, uh, and sometimes you want to dress like a superhero, so you're strong and powerful, and you don't have to worry about what's going to happen to you, you worry all the time anyway, but if you're a superhero on this day, you just feel better about things. And I want to talk to you about the living and the dead today. I want to talk to you about the people who have died, about honoring our ancestors. You know, our ancestors are our mother and fathers, mothers and fathers, and their mothers and fathers, and it's like a line of people, kind of like those candles. It's like you have your mom and her mom and her dad and his mom and his dad and then her mom's dad, and the, and the line of people go, it goes way, way, way back into history. All the people that have made you who you are. And whether you are with the family that you were born to or whether you've been adopted into a family or welcomed into another kind of family, you are a, a product of all the people who've gone before you. And so it's through our families that we learn the ways of being in the world. I'm talking to you kids. I'm talking to you grown-ups. I'm trying to talk in a way that will kind of bore everybody the same. <laughs> that's, not, that's not how the preacher usually states her goals. <laughs> but the way that I want to honor people today is by, is by thinking of what they taught us 
or they are teaching us now? What are we getting from our families? And by thinking about what are the good things that we want to hold on to, and what are the things that we might want to let go of, either from our families or in ourselves, everybody's got stuff that they want to say goodbye to. And that's what the two cookies are for. If, I hope everybody's got two cookies. Does everybody have two cookies? Because if you don't, just raise your hand. Sometimes your parents will have your cookies. But if you're a grown-up and you don't have cookies, the ushers are going to bring you some. If you just raise your hand, they're going to bring you some. So I'm going to keep talking, but those ushers will get to you. Just keep your hand up. Because some of y'all were so sweet and so early in the morning you came in their cookies and they said, take two cookies. You were like, no, thank you, but you're going to need them. <laughs> so in our families, we learn our ways of being in the world. Don't you think? I mean, you learn your way of um, dealing with annoying little brothers and sisters. You learn your way of dealing with bossy big sisters and brothers. You learn your way of dealing with how to be angry in the world. Some families teach you to be angry by yelling. And they go, well, I was yelling. I'm angry. And other families, like in my family, if you were yelling, it meant you were out of control. And that was bad. In my family, you want to be in control at all times. Not only of yourself, but of everybody around you, too. And sometimes people in families disagree about how things should be done. For example, my mother and father disagreed about having things clean. Now, my mother taught second grade, and she knew a lot of elephant jokes, but she never cleaned. And she was very fun, but she never mended or sewed. So all our clothes had holes in them, and the house was a mess. And my dad would say, Catherine, there are spider webs in the windows. And she would say, I know, it's educational, Donald. <laughs> the children need to see the spider babies being born. It's nature. And if they bother you, you clean them. This is, a, this is a conversation that almost every family has. Not exactly about spider babies in the windows, but about how clean things should be and how the tone of one's voice should be and how one should either save or spend money. Um, what makes a good person? People disagree, but families have to teach you how to be a good person. And for some families, you're a good person if you look good. And for other families, you're a good person if your closet is clean and your bed is made. And other families, you're a good person if you cry about the children in Africa who, are, who don't have enough food. And in other families, you're a good person if you march and protest on the street. And in other families, you're a good person as long as you um, speak the truth and don't steal anything. See? So your families are teaching you or have taught you how to be a good person. This is something you get from your ancestors. Now, a lot of people in my family, just for example, again, they don't feel like being comfortable is that important. Um, my great-grandfather was a preacher who had 13 children, and he had a rooster in his yard that was so mean that that rooster would pick fights with the children. 
And so the children's knees, you know, when roosters fight, they scratch you at, with their feet. And um, so the children always had legs that were bleeding. And finally, one of the uncles, who was a doctor, made him get rid of the rooster because he was tired of stitching up the children. Why would he not get rid of that rooster the first time it scratched a child? I don't know. People have their own way of thinking. When I would say in my growing up years, I was about seven, I said, Mama, I have a headache. And she said, don't be silly. Children don't get headaches. <laughs> Birthdays were celebrated lavishly, and Christmas was a big deal. And we were told, I love you a lot. Um, some families don't say I love you very much, but they do I love you things. Like they'll um, iron your clothes or wash things for you or they'll pat you on the hair or they'll um, fix your lunch for school or they'll fill up your car with gas. Some of y'all probably don't have cars yet, but that's how some people say I love you. There are lots and lots of ways of showing love and it's important to notice when love is being said to you, because you might miss it. So it's important to find out about the people you were born to, and it's important to find out about the people who raised you. Sometimes they're the same, and sometimes they're different. And if you're being raised by different people from the people you were born to, then you've got lots of people to find out about. And we honor our ancestors by remembering them. Number one, we remember them, and number two, we learn about them, and we notice what we have inside that is them. Sometimes that's good, and sometimes that's bad. Like if you had a grandmother that yelled a lot. I didn't, my grandmother didn't yell. She flew around the country giving speeches against the ERA. But um, <laughs> with Phyllis Schlafly. Yeah. My other grandmother would just grab the dashboard when you drove and go, oh, my conscience. They were very different from each other. I'm not sure who is in me, um, but I know there's good and bad from my parents, from my grandparents, and I honor them by saying, Thank you for the good things and letting go of the bad things. So we honor the ancestors even if they wound us, even if we've disappointed them. Honoring your mother and father doesn't mean agreeing with everything you were taught. It doesn't mean never speaking up. It doesn't mean that you have to obey them as an adult. Your parents may not have told you this yet. It does mean treating them always with courtesy. And they should treat you with courtesy. It means remembering the things of value that you got. And it means, when you're grown up, to revisit the things you were taught with respect and yet with firmness. As soulful people, our job is to grow up to be compassionate and understanding. And we return to the text of our childhood religions with re 
understanding, and we return to the text of our life story with re-understanding. And re-understanding is, is an important thing for the free mind to do, because some things you think you understand when you're one age, and then you have to re-understand them at another age. That's all. So what are the cookies for? What I want you to do is take one of the cookies in your hand, and I need the basket. I need one basket that's empty to come up here. And you might have to just dump all the cookies that are left in one. And Yeah. Thank you. This is what you call either a ritual or, thank you, Peter, or a mind exercise, if the word ritual bothers you. It's a mind exercise because our mind understands things sometimes only if we do them. It doesn't understand just words. Sometimes there's part of your mind that just hears blah, 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 when you say, I will be more kind, or I will eat more vegetables. Your mind hears blah, 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 blah. So sometimes you have to do something in order to talk to your mind. That's what this is. Okay, so we take one of the cookies and we think with this cookie in our imagination, hold it in your hand, and think of all the good things that you remember from your family or the good things that your parents are teaching you or have taught you or the things that you want to keep with you. And put all those things into that cookie in your imagination. And then we say, I will say it and you just hear it in your head or go, mm-hmm, if you want to. May we touch these people who've gone before us now as the veil is thin between the worlds. And may we thank them for the things they've given to us, some of those things are precious. And then we eat the cookie. That's a nice sound. Sounds kind of like rain. All right, now for the letting go part. The other cookie, you put into it the things you want to let go of for this year. You can just let them go into the next world now that the veil is thin. You might want to say, Dad, you taught me to yell. I want to let go of that. Mom, you taught me constant complaining. I would like to let go of that. Grandmother, you taught me I was going to hell. I would like to let go of that. And as Brian, our beautiful pianist, plays some music, we're going to come up to the front, the back rows first, and then the front rows, and we're going to crumble up our cookies that we're letting go of, or just break them in half, and put them in this basket, and we'll feed them to the birds. Here are some words to say before we do that. 
Some of the people who have gone on taught us things that were wrong. We can begin to forgive them for this. We can begin to let go of the things that are no longer helpful. We can move from that place into a new place. On this day, look to the mystery of the season to release that which has been completed. Look at and acknowledge that which has come to an ending within your own life and bid it a final farewell, even though this may bring you pain. It must be done. I'll talk to you again in a minute. Please say the chalice extinguishing words with me. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. May you go out into the world. May you not be scared. May you not have to be that scary. Be blessed and be a blessing to those you meet. Go in peace. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.org.